Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. Join Chris and Drew, two self-proclaimed booze pundits with a lifetime of industry experience as they walk you through the alcohol business and how today's headlines affect the industry. Each week, the guys will be joined by a special guest that will help them break down these stories and offer their own expertise to the podcast. So, pour yourself a glass of your favorite drink and sit back. This is the Good Bottle Podcast. Hello! Welcome to the Good Bottle Podcast. On this episode, we discuss, is rum the next big thing? I am your host, Chris Sinclair, joined by my co-host, Mr. Drew Garrison. We have a very lovely guest today. Uh, I can't wait to talk to you after our, our long, long week off. Uh, Drew, how you doing? I'm doing good. Um, I'm not ready for this conversation because I think I've been having it for um, at least 10 years. And and I know our guest has been having it for probably longer. And, you know, the fact that it just continues to not to come to fruition is like devastating. But um, I'm sure we'll get into that and we'll talk about a lot of other fun things. And, yeah, we've uh, we've been off for a week or two or just kind of the way that things kind of happened. And that's OK, because no one's paying us to do this. So can't really be held responsible by anybody. It feels like it's kind of been nope. two weeks, but I think it's only been a week. I think it's only been a week too, but um, okay, you know, it's yeah. it's Deal tough times it, right listeners now. Listeners who are loyal for some reason. On the plus side, we do have multiple weeks booked out, like another two months booked out, um, except for the fact that, uh, fortunately, Chris, your wife, the beautiful Jen, has stepped in as your official booker now. So now, yeah, anytime God. I schedule things, I send it to her. To which she goes, "Hey, we're going to be in Hawaii this week. You can't record that week." I'm like, "Oh, fair enough." That's a good thing to know. I told um, you, not only have I told you that, I also have, it's come up in conversation on this podcast. So it is recorded. It's out there on the internet. Uh, it's so the entire reason I'm not drinking right now. You dumb, oh. dumb. Come on, bruh. I just thought you were having like body issues or something. Uh, well, there's always what that. I assigned it to. Yeah. Terrible. Okay. Well, Hey, let's move on. Um, tonight's guest is someone that I have admired for a very long time and then um, in a very non-sober moment went up to her at Miami Rum Congress actually at a bar and was just like, you're the greatest person in the entire world, which I'm pretty sure she was pretty tuned up to, so I don't know if she even remembers that. But um, yeah, she's shaking her head. Nope, definitely doesn't. Uh, but it was at Jaguar Sun, their outdoor bar, which was super fun. Uh, I also got to hang out with... Uh, Ben Jones as well, who was also extremely lit. That was a great time. Uh, she is the marketing and entree director of Spirit Bomb. She is a former, and we're going to get into this, sports writer for the Saturday Night Magazine. No way. I don't know how you dig these LinkedIn. I hate LinkedIn. That thing is <laughs> Our guest today uh kiwa brian kiwa what's going on what's tell us tell us right in sports while you were still bartending this was this happened during your bartending tenure like you were were you running the everly at this point or i mean you just kind of like i need an outlet for my sports talk uh no this was uh this was way before um way before the everly probably like three years before the everly and by the way i do remember the jaguar sun moment i remember it now but i just i i uh it, it, it took a refresh. No, it's fine. Laundry, I, I often uh, <laughs> try to try to cancel out of my memory a lot of my interactions with Drew. So it's fine. Yeah, it's no, really mostly it. just par for the course. I get it. I get it. Well, it wasn't intentional. It, so, I mean, 
again, you're you're somebody that I've admired for a long time. I mean, I think both Chris and I have waxed poetically at least for four years that's been recorded on this podcast, how much we care about Spirit Bomb and all the different brands that you guys have underneath you and the ones that you get to work with. So um, the first question is, uh, are you sipping on anything tonight? And then the second question is, where do I send my resume? Are you guys hiring? So I'm just gonna <laughs> those two things. Um, well, <laughs> um, not in any particular order. Uh, I think it may be cliche by now with me, but you can probably guess what I'm drinking. The tea punch um, with rum GM for uh, nice. those that speak English, rum JM. Um, so yeah, a little agricole uh, tea punch. Uh, it was a very long day today, and this is a perfect way to uh, wind down. And then, uh, yeah, you know, we're about to go into planning meetings for next year and budget meetings for you know uh, planning of 2023. So, so now's the time to get that resume over. <laughs> yes. This has been a long time coming <laughs> for me. Um, so, you know, so, so again, you, you you bring up the fact that, you know, there's there's ways to pronounce rum JM. And then how how are you supposed to say it? Because that's actually the first time I've heard a different pronunciation, but I'm more of a Clement guy. Well, so that might have something to do with it. I mean, if I had a dollar for every time that I had to order rum Clement as Clement, then, you know, I would probably <laughs> not need to work anymore. So, um, no, uh, the in the French alphabet, J is pronounced G. So, um, um, so yeah, simple as that. That is really simple. And, and, way, and also just like a fun, a fun story. Um, so, you know, you bring up the tea punch and in interviews that you've done before, one of the things that you've mentioned is that, you know, you had a tea punch 12, 13 years ago and you were like, whoa, made with rum agricole, which is going to be a cane based distillate for our listeners at home. So not molasses, but cane based. And you were like, I need to find some way to work with this more. What, you know, so, so what were the steps from there? Like you have this drink that changes your life and then you're like, okay, this is how I get to that next that next point. Yeah. Um, I mean, my boss at the Evely at the time, uh, we had just, I had just started working there and he made me a tea punch for a shift drink one day. And like, I, I, you know, I was curious about rum agricole spelled wrong with the H Y is it there, you know, why did, what's wrong with this spelling? Um, and, and knew that it was definitely different from, um, the other rums that we had. And, you know, was more similar to the cachaças than um, the other molasses rums. And, but I didn't really know much about it. I mean, it's like, you know, geez, 12 years ago at this point. And um, so my, my boss, Dave Kuczynski uh, at the time um, made me a tea punch, like with a ton of like, not, not a tea punch at all, like with a ton of crushed ice and like too much lime. <laughs> and um, I was like blown away at how simple it was and how delicious it was. And, and I think honestly, like, you know, being in Southern California where agave spirits are so prevalent, um, there's a lot of parallels between a Blanc agricole rum and, you know, a Blanco agave spirit. So um, I already kind of had a palate for that minerality and that fruitiness. And um, it just like, it just like rocked my world. So I set out to, you know, try and see who the people were that were selling rum in the U.S., rum agricole in the U.S. And, you know, it turned out it was uh, basically Ben Jones and Ed Hamilton. And, um, 
you know, uh, upon further research, uh, I decided I wanted to work for Ben Jones. And um, I, I, you know, I talked him into, you know, I bought my own ticket to Martinique and talked him into like letting me kind of creep on on one of the trips he was doing down there. Um, and and then I literally sent him. So Drew, take notes. Um, I literally <laughs> sent him a job proposal every six months for like a year and was like, you know, they didn't have a budget to hire anybody. And like, um, yeah, I eventually like he took a meeting with me at Tales of the Cocktail, I guess in like 2014 and hired me as a part-time uh, brand ambassador there. And um, yeah, I guess the rest is history. I did do the bartending thing also for a while and that was cool but a lot <laughs> now what, what do you mean the, the bartending thing was a lot like bartending no, I mean, it was just along a, with the while yeah like straddling yeah. the both sides of the fence like running a bar while also traveling and doing the brand ambassador work um so after a year of that i um i just well they they had the means to hire me full-time and so i i, I made the leap and my back thanks me every day ever since. <laughs> um, so, so you take the trip out there and obviously over now, what would be probably about eight years of working for them. What are, what are the things that you think people misunderstand about rum agricole that you wish that you could kind of be like, no, 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 this is why this is so special. And you guys are really missing the boat by being obsessed with pirates and shit like that. Yeah, oh, I mean, nice. um, <laughs> I mean, there's just there's such a history with the tradition of making rum agricole specifically. I, I think in America, it's like, you know, we, we love to go by this rum has no rules, which it really in the grand scheme of rum internationally, there's a lot of rules in um, in rum. But in America, because of the way the TTB is structured, there's no subcategories under the rum category, whereas like with whiskey, there's, I think, now 41 different subcategories so um it's it's really it's really cool to have this uh spirit that you know they they took um for those of you who aren't familiar with the aoc the appellation uh, de origine controle um which is you actually are familiar with it because it's the reason champagne has to come from champagne and camembert cheese has to come from you know a certain area of, of france and Cognac has to come from Cognac because every French agricultural product and um, Martinique being a overseas department of France adheres to those rules. So every French agricultural department has to follow like a laundry list of guidelines uh, in order to be able to put rum agricole Martinique on the bottle. Um, so, you know, it's, it's a really cool thing about rum agricole for Martinique is that every single bottle that says that, you know, it's going to be a high quality spirit. You know, there's not going to be any, you know, it's not going to be garbage because even the brands that I don't work for are really, really delicious because in order for those bottles to get out in the world, they have to follow so many rules. And, um, and then every batch gets tested by the AOC board. So you have to pull two bottles from every single batch. And even if you follow everything verbatim perfectly, if like this board does not um, find that the the aromatic you know qualities or whatever um, flavor qualities uh, are in line with what rum agricole for Martinique is supposed to taste like, then they'll just tell you you can't put it on the label. So 
it's uh, it's a long process, but it makes for really good rum. So I, I wanted you to cover that just because both Chris and I are such huge rum agricole fans and, and whatnot. And so like, for example, I'm drinking my Clamont VSOP oh. that I use yeah. my, my special Mon decanter. Special edition. That's right. Yeah. So it's a graffiti bottle that I have now refilled. I can't count that high. Um, so there's that. But then I also found these in a little old liquor store like five or six years ago, which is the old Clamont um, bottles with like the straw wrapping around it. Um, so that was the VSOP and then the Blanc as well, which is just like this, you know, kind of funny. They're definitely an improvement in packaging. I'll say that, but I love them. I love them nonetheless. Uh, I do want to circle back to kind of you writing your own job proposal and then like, what did that start off as? Because we do have a lot of bartenders that, that listen to this and we do have a lot of people who are trying to make that leap to maybe to save their back as well. Who knows? Um, but like, what did that job proposal kind of start with? And then, you know, how has that changed and how have you changed it? Because like now, I, I mean, you know, to me at least, like you've become synonymous with, with that brand and that's no small feat, especially in really less than 10 years, which is, which is kind of crazy to think about. Right. So, um, so what has that process been like for you? And if there was something that, I mean, outside, you know, I appreciate the advice. I'll be sending you proposals all the time now, but um, <laughs> you know, is there something else that, you know, that you think people should focus on and things that, you know, maybe you are looking for, like that you see as people come to you with making the leap from bartender to, you know, the U S marketing and on-train director of a awesome, you know, rum group. Yeah. I mean, the most important thing is to, you know, only, only approach uh, jobs that you are passionate about. Cause there's no way that I could have been, doing this job for, you know, eight years, um, if I wasn't in love with the with the brand. Um, so I mean, what's the worst that can happen if you go after a brand or a spirit category that you're truly passionate about, and you, um, you know, you tell them what your worth is, and you tell them what you're good at, and you ask them for what you want. And I mean, the worst that could happen is they could say no. So I feel like, I feel like, um, I feel like that is the key to success for both you and for the brand, because, you know, if you are passionate about that spirit, um, it's, it's not going to be there. There's no way. Like I, I love, I love, you know, most categories of spirits, but um, if I was having to still do warm gin shots, like I was in my first brand <laughs> ambassador job, um, eight years later, uh, it, it would, it would be a, it, it wouldn't be my job anymore. So I think that is the most important part, you know, it's, like fine. Even when you're a bartender, you know, I feel like bartenders often, we all gravitate toward a certain category of spirit, like organically. So like you kind of know when you want to make that change, which category of spirit you want, you gravitate toward which one you're constantly recommending to your guests and whatnot. So, um, I mean, at the Evely, I had 11 SKUs of, rum agricole which is like completely ridiculous because we were a bar on the sunset strip that went through you know 12 12 packs of vodka a week in vodka sodas like that was all we poured was vodka sodas and you know the occasional Evely lemonade uh you know margarita but like 
there was no reason for me to have 11 SKUs of agricole, but you know, that was what I was passionate about. And somebody made the mistake of letting me do the liquor ordering. So, um, <laughs> that's, you know, that's what we were left with. And I got to taste through and like, uh, and, and, you know, get to know these spirits with my team and, you know, with my guests that were, at, you know, maybe the two out of 500 that were actually interested in rum. So, um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think you just need to figure your passion is become an expert at that, at that specific category or subcategory and then, um, make a play for the job you want. Mm -hmm. And then how has that job evolved and how have you evolved it over, over the past couple of years? Well, I'm, I mean, it was uh, pretty, not static, but it was, it was very much a brand ambassador job, um, up until, you know, just leading up to the pandemic, I, you know, was in charge of all of our, all of our events and education for the most part. And then, and then the pandemic happened and, um, somebody, you know, digital marketing, e-commerce, like all of our websites had to be redone essentially to be more, uh, modern and updated. And so, um, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a sink or swim, uh, fake it till you make it learn as you go. And, um, and now, I mean, you may not know, but now we have seven brands, um, not all rum. Uh, we have, we just acquired a French liqueur company. Um, fun fact, that is the biggest competition for Jaffard in France. And, uh, my boyfriend works for Jaffard. So, and he also, he works for Backbar Project, which has Jaffard and Rumbar. So, um, and Worthy Park. So we have a, a house that's very full of, uh, French liqueurs and, and, uh, rums. But um, yeah, I mean, take it, having seven brands and like having to create all of the marketing materials. I do ninety percent of the social media for all those brands, um, you know, which I always was pretty decent with social media. So that was initially an easy thing to take on. But as we as we've grown, it's uh, it's it's you know, it's it's very different. It's I'm I just turned forty this year, so like I have a twenty four year old uh, assistant. I'm constantly just like, what is happening now? Like, you know, <laughs> why is the algorithm not working the same as it did last week? Like, um, so I definitely feel old all the time. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it is a, an all encompassing job. And, and next year, we will be taking, you know, we'll start it, we're starting to like, go back to doing li more live events, we really didn't do a lot of events this year, like we showed up at all the cocktail festivals and um, kind of were like, Hey, we're still alive. We still exist. Like, but we don't know if we want to jump back in the water just yet. We kind of want to see how this year shakes out. So next year it'll, it'll be, a uh, a lot, a lot of, uh, yeah, all, all encompassing all of the marketing things and the brands, uh, the on-trade stuff. So, um, yeah, it's the, it's a, I, I've learned, uh, entirely more than I ever thought that I would. Well, I think that's, I think that's great, right? That you're, I mean, all of us had to do nothing but pivot for the past, you know, two and a half years. So it, you know, it makes sense that a lot of us developed new skills and, and stuff. And it's great that you were kind of able to keep, you know, to keep the the lights on and, and going with that. I do have a question when it comes to, you know, when it comes to branding and the different, like, you know, if you're jumping back and forth between, you know, like the the rum Clement to chairman reserve to the new liqueur and, and stuff like that. I mean, they're all kind of different in terms of, you know, 
in, obviously what the product is, but then also I'm just kind of like, is there a, is there a tone? Is there a style that you try to keep with each brand of kind of like, you know, this is how I talk about this brand. This is how I talk about this brand, you know, this, I mean, I know for, for example, like chairman reserve, and eventually we're going to do a video together, but like, you know, I won one of your guys's contest, which, you know, I don't know how much bias might've been involved there. Obviously didn't remember our last interaction. So now I know it was a little bit more legit than I originally thought, but, um, but, you know, I won that cocktail kit. And so me and Chris are going to do some drinks with it now that he finally has his liquor license at his new at his new spot. But I mean, like, you know, coming up with those different things, I mean, is it kind of like, hey, that's the plan for chairman. Here's the plan for this. How does how does that come together for you outside of just leaning on your 24 year old assistant to tell you what's cool? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, we definitely have a brand book and and kind of key phrases and and um you know, verbiage for each brand uh, that we give to any photographer or we try and follow when we're writing captions um, or when we're doing events, you know, your your um, Pantone colors, your fonts, your all this, all this branding stuff, but also like the specific verbiage that um, and um, taglines and whatnot that we try and use specific words that we try and repeat throughout. Um, I, I do, I, I say that I do, you know, all of this, I we do have a team in France, so I work with French people with the French team a lot, and um, our headquarters is actually uh, based between Martinique and France. So there is a, there is a team a collaboration and a lot of six and seven a.m. meetings um, on my part, which is super fun. Uh, nine hour time difference, um, but yeah, it's it is a collaborative effort to make sure that the brands are aligned in uh the way that they're presented individually because they are you're you're absolutely right like they're so they're so different so um i mean as an example like we have bounty rum um from saint lucia and chairman's reserve uh from saint lucia and chairman's reserve is the art of blending and bringing saint lucia to the world whereas bounty is the spirit of saint lucia and bringing the world to St. Lucia. So like they're, they're very um, deliberate messages that are thought out to contrast the spirit of the rum or the vibe of the rum um, so that they don't, you know, cannibalize each other and they kind of uh, have different messages. So, so it is a thought out process. I have a, I have a, a hard right turn of a question that's going to, it's going to, kind of bleed into one of our, our later conversations here, but uh, bounty rum, um, is not distributed in California by RNDC, which everything else under Spirit Bomb is. Uh, is is there a reason for that, or what? What's is, the is deal? This when you're gonna make me talk shit on RNDC, um, <laughs> which I'm it's fine. Not, to do. It's not hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, no, uh, audit, quite honestly. Uh, we do have another brand that is with that is now with Sternick, um, and it is Admiral Rodney. And to be completely honest, um, we have a lot of SKUs, and RNDC did not want to pick up um, more rum SKUs in a, a you know in a book that already had fifty some odd SKUs under it. So we uh, opted to start working with Skernick with Admiral Rodney, and then you know we we moved Bounty over as well when we did that. So. Um, you know, TBD still how that shakes out. Um, it's a pretty new change for us, but yeah, it uh, it's also heartbreaking because 
we have like a hundred distributors in the US for all of our brands in all the states. We used to have eighty something and um oh my God. when we acquired 80, Joseph Cartron. 80, 80 distributors in yeah. fifty states. I mean, and this this bleeds into the three tier system conversation a bit, but like yeah, I mean when when Ben Jones, my boss, um, was you know bringing rum agricole to people in two thousand and six, uh, you know, he, just starting out, uh, he was he no he couldn't put like rum GM and Clement with the same distributor because it would just like cannibalize itself. So he had to put a lot of the a lot of you know the two different agricoles with different distributors to compete against each other to try and create the competition. And, um, and so, well, uh, now we're left with a lot of split, uh, split markets and, you know, in, uh, in, in Texas, I think we have, uh, maybe it's down to three now, but there was a point when we had four different distributors and, um, just in the one state. So, um, yeah, it, Florida, Florida and California were the only two states that really had everything or the only two big states that have everything in the same distributor and, and now that is no more. So <laughs> just making things more and more complicated every day. So two well, is actually a blessing <laughs> from what it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, two is a, two is Two's for easy. sure That's for fine. sure a blessing. You know, you just it keeps us on our feet. <laughs> it's 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 a that. Well, you know, I think that actually ends up being like a perfect transition, right? To to our stories. Maybe we'll 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 actually we'll flip those. So I think it's now time to give our opinions on facts that we've heard from reputable sources. Okay, so I didn't realize that you guys had such a complicated system, but how perfect and how serendipitous that I picked this article that just talks about the three-tier system. And and this is something that we have talked about quite a bit um, on the show over the last couple of years. And there's really nothing new to report, but I do think you know, Kiwa, having your perspective on it using so many different distributors was something that I thought would be would be interesting. So, you know, the three tier system, you start with your you start with your supplier, um, it goes to your distributor and distributor down to uh, either your bar, restaurant, and then out to the consumer. Uh, it's something that was designed to hopefully curtail uh, organized crime, which it really hasn't. It's ran differently in every single state. Some people are considered control states where the government actually is going to be ordering all your bottles you have to buy from a government-ran store. Places like California, that is not a control state. So you have these distributors who take all the different stuff and and go from there. Um, Now, just to kind of roll it into the conversation that we're pretty much already having, you know, in looking back at Ben's strategy in terms of creating competition within the state with like with one type of supplier – uh, you know, at, at least from like the distributor standpoint, has that mindset changed? Because, and, and I just, a quick reference to like what we've done at JBS where five years ago, the mindset was, okay, we don't want to have any more things from Oaxaca because we like for Mezcal, we don't want to continue to pull from that because they're running Campbell has their own things. Now the mindset is like, if it's good, we'll take it because we just want to dominate the entire you know, section. We want it to be all of our stuff. Like we have all the best stuff from Oaxaca. Um, you know, looking at the systems now, I mean, 
do you want to, you know, so Kiwa, I'll start with you. Like, do you want to keep these in place or would you like to see consolidation? Do you think the world is more open to the understanding that there is a difference between like the Rome GM and the Rum Clement? Um, I mean, fortunately, like this, this, this discussion and this, uh, the whole distribution piece is more so Ben job, Ben Jones's job than mine, because I've been, um, working in every market in the country for the last eight years with on work with, which is when you go for a day with a distributor rep and visit a bunch of accounts. Um, in every major city in the country and every time I'm just like blown away at the difference between the, um, the laws in each state. So, I mean, the, the whole going back to prohibition, it's all, you know, archaic and i don't know how much i can swear on this podcast but as much as you um, want it's <laughs> all the fucking way yeah <laughs> um yeah i mean prohibition was was all you know bullshit it was just a way to control um it was a political way to control the lower class because essentially um the the rich upper class was afraid that i mean it's 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 ironic but like um you know, America was built in taverns with, with, you know, our forefathers or whatever, um, drinking rum, ironically. Um, but then prohibition started because, uh, those same people were threatened by minorities and immigrants, like meeting in the same taverns and like starting to learn about politics and like the power of their vote. So it's all, it's all a control thing. And, um, and then, going back to, like you said, the mafia, um, the mafia emerged out of that. So it's kind of like a, it's even more, more irony because they're trying to suppress all of the lower class citizens, right. You know, their power, political power. And instead you, you get the mafia to merge out of this. So then you're just trying to overcorrect something that you, uh, you're just trying to overcorrect all these problems. Um, and, to me, uh, I think that the biggest issue is that there's no congruence. Like you said, like each state has its own individual um, guidelines that you have to follow. So, um, you know, especially in control states, it makes it really hard for smaller brands like us to have any sort of, um, you know, any sort of uh, competition with the bigger with the bigger brands because it's all, you know, it's all controlled by the government and um if there's not a huge demand, of course, there's not going to be a huge demand for rum GM, but you need so many people to request rum GM in control states to get them, the government to even purchase it. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's frustrating, but I don't know. And it also for the smaller brands it you know, it, it adds up, the money adds up going through different, different systems. Um, but I don't know what the, I don't know what the solution is. So um, I'm just, well, and that's, and that's okay. Fire. Yeah, we're not, we're not going to solve it tonight. I mean, I do think of the logistical nightmare of something like Texas for you guys, where you're having to send pallets to three different distributors. And I know for some of our small suppliers, like, you know, putting together a pallet can be really difficult, you know, in order to, especially with the way shipping is now as well, because it's so expensive, um, which is a little too much insider baseball for even most of our listeners and super boring stuff. But I, I, I am, I do find that curious. Um, 
but more so, and I think a little bit interesting is, you know, you talk about work widths with distributors and whatnot. When you do these, I mean, are you hitting different distributors when you go to different states? Because I'm like just thinking to myself, like, let's go, you know, you go to Chicago and you're, you're with a distributor one day, you're with a distributor the next day. Like, are you going to the same accounts day after day? Or is it kind of like a, okay, Jim, now you walk away while I talk to him about this brand, you know, like, how does that work? Uh, no, there's absolutely none of that. It is all very, if you're going on a work with, with one distributor, like you pretend your other brands don't exist. So that's, that's fun. You might go to the same account three days in a row if you're going to, uh, if you're going on a work with or three different distributors. So yeah, it's fun. That has got to be just the best. You just see your face like three days in a row, but like you're back. It's, you know, we didn't see you for so long <laughs> and now you're here all the time. Um, I don't know if that's actually happened to me, but, um, but yeah, I, I mean, it's definitely a possibility. I mean, there was even a point where, um, I, and I stopped, I stopped doing this, but like we had separate email addresses and like separate business cards. And, uh, it was just like, this is enough. Like they can, they can like turn their head the other direction if they look at a logo that they don't carry on our business card or if they have to send an email. I mean, quite honestly, you may have noticed um, that our company has gone from uh, Rum Clement USA to House of Agriculture Spearbaum. And um, the reason for that is because when we were Rum Clement USA, it was offensive to our distributors that didn't have Clement. So we changed to House of Agriculture and then we bought a St. Lucian molasses from distillery like six <laughs> months later. And then we're like, all right, cool. Let's do this third time's a charm. Oh my God. Uh, okay. So, so Chris, let me transition to you. Now you just got your liquor license, you know, a couple weeks ago and granted, this is not anything that's new for you. I mean, you've opened bars before you've, you've dealt with the three, three tier system before, but you know, this is the first time, opening a bar post pandemic do you have you noticed anything different from the three-tier system um that you were kind of caught off guard by that you that you weren't used to before or what's that been like as a new restaurant bar owner three-tier system no i haven't uh thankfully a lot of the um covid uh, adjustments to California's liquor laws uh, are still in place. And so that makes our job that much more fun because we can do a lot more things. Uh, there are a lot of people out there in the world who are still too frightened of them, but, uh, but it's, you know, being able to send people home with cocktail kits and drinks to go and stuff like that. It makes California a lot more fun. You know, I mean, you do it in New York, you do it in, in New Orleans. Let's go. It's great. <laughs> I love it. Um, but in terms of three tier, no. Uh, you know, what I've noticed uh, is that uh, there's a lot less. Distributors have cut cut way back on labor. And now they're just even more of a pain in the ass to deal with. I mean, they're it's just <laughs> it's so bad. I mean, so, yeah, I got my liquor license. What um, uh, about a week and a half ago for for Bodega? I I still haven't been able to place orders with certain companies. Is it R and D C? Literally just placed an order tonight with R and D C. Literally tonight. Got my first order in. Phew. 
Fucking Congratulations. I, I'm still waiting. I'm still waiting to hear back from from beer suppliers. Like you would think that they would be coming and hounding me like, hey, put this shit on, which they will be doing once I have something up. But or like, you know, once they make their way around, they're going to tell me why all my choices are wrong and why I should be dealing with their brands and products and everything like that. And they'll just be hounding me. But as of right now, I like I could barely get an email responded to. It's insane. So it really and just they, comes out. They, they are the gatekeepers. They are the gatekeepers to me being able to sell a thing that my that my customers and guests want. Because I'm not I allowed. Say, like, so you I only can't. be carrying bounty and Admiral Rodney heard. Got it. Uh, actually, bounty bounty is is going to my well. So woohoo. Yeah. Thank you. There's that. <laughs> oh no, thank you. You don't, and you don't have to order that from our NDC. So there you go. That's right. That one I ordered. That one I ordered uh, as soon as I got my liquor license, and um, it still hasn't shown up yet. So it's you know, like, like I said, I'm not on the distributor side of things. So. <laughs> I know. I, know. <laughs> I, I mean, obviously, I have a, I have a letter. I have a, I have a level of empathy for. You know, for distributors being being one and and oh, that's true. We, I mean, we literally have the three tier system right now represented on the podcast. I just yeah, realized that. that's, we we re- wow. we really do. Um, but then I also do agree that you know that from, distributors from are the worst. Yeah, true. You're out. No, of no, no. And 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 I agree. I mean, one of I mean, I I wholeheartedly like one of the reasons that I have success with my distributor is because and at times like the other ones can be so bad and they can try to force things in that, that don't make sense. Um, you know, and, and I, I always think of this, this example and I won't say what distributor it was or what rep it was, but I'm sure we can all guess. It's fine. We're burning it it all to the ground tonight. Let's go. (laughs) But it was a situation where, you know, one of my bars was like, Hey, uh, we need to get, we need to get this product. This distributor doesn't have it anymore. Like, do you have anything like this? And I just was like, I was like, Oh, you know, that that's a very specific profile to rum. And, and I don't, I don't currently carry that. Uh, but you might want to look at this, this, and this, because I, you know, rum and agave, I'm always rising tides. I want people to drink better stuff. So I'm going to, I mean, I've sold more stuff than in R and portfolio than some of their reps have, you know, of the, of the weirder non green dot items. Right. And then I remember that I'm sitting there next to a rep and it's like, well, what about this? And I was like, you know, simply because it's a rum doesn't mean it's just going to work in every rum cocktail, right? Like you can't just like, it's like, yeah, but you know, it's a rum, right? And I'm like, oh my God, no, that's not how this works. And so, and, and again, like people like that and those distributors do help me because when I give a recommendation on something, you know, most of like my bar owners, the store owners and stuff like that, they're like, oh, well, Drew's actually being authentic in his answer because he's recommending if, if it is one of my products and I always recommend two other ones that are not my products and make it like, Hey, these are all really good options. And if I don't have something, then I don't, I mean, I just don't, you can't, you can't just take a, Oh yeah. Oh, it's, it's a white rum. So they're, they're pretty much all interchangeable. It's like, they're really not they're really at not. all. So, um, I mean, and it's, and it's funny, like the, like the, something like a white rum, which is something that I desperately want. Like I want an affordable white rum. Like we just don't, we have one that's at like 18, but you know, to get a little bit lower, cause I'm sure what, what is, what is bounty at right now? I don't, I don't remember uh, it's right like now. It's like 1450 a liter. Yeah. yeah, yeah that sounds that right. is In California. killer. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's killer. I mean, oh my gosh, I, w- I would love to have something like that. I mean, and that's also a profile that people are familiar with, right? When it does come to, to the white room soon. So, well, so and, I, you I, know, I, I, I mean, it, it, that profile has more flavor in it than, you know, um, than Puerto Rican rum, you know, or Spanish dry. Right. So, so it punches, it punches out of its weight class when you're adding it to a drink like a mojito, right? Cause yeah. that grassiness just, just grabs a hold of that mint and just makes it shine. Right. Yeah. Okay. And I don't want to completely just bury distributors here either, but like one of the benefits and you know, you can either confirm or deny this is, you know, one of the reasons somebody like a spear bomb wants to have a, wants to have a distributor is because you guys don't have a huge team. You need someone actually on the ground selling in all these different areas, because if you're going from one state to the next, and you're, you're all over the place. Like you need people who are at least hopefully constantly selling in markets that you're not physically in. Um, is, is that the case? And if it is like, what are some of the ways that you guys have been able to, you know, incentivize your distributors or just like, is it all through educations? I mean, what's that like for, for someone who's spirit? Cause like you guys are not huge, but you're not tiny, tiny. Like it's, it's kind of like this weird, uh, you know, you're, you're kind of not right in the middle, probably a little bit less than middle, but you know, still what I, you're not, you're not paying managers to go on uh, Caribbean trips, I, I would assume. But What's that like in your guys's place to incentivize your distributor to be like, hey, don't forget about us? I mean, I, I think it's a it's a sliding scale for sure because we have very tiny, you know, boutique um, distributors in for some of our brands in some markets, and then we have you know the the R and Cs and the breakthroughs, the the big guys in some markets. So um, there's definitely different techniques and um, different incentives that we, I mean, not, not necessarily different incentives. I would say that, you know, um, they just work better in the smaller boutique um, distributors for the most part, because you're not competing against, you know, with, with us, we're always in the Brown Foreman um, big distributor. Uh, So like, there's always some crazy, like, whatever how many thousand dollar incentive per month to sell so many cases or whatnot and like we can't we can't compete with that but fortunately with the big distributors when you're doing a an incentive that's like a trip program or something you usually attract the right reps that are actually interested in your product um so I mean, that's, that is a benefit for sure. Um, I mean, obviously we haven't done incentive program, like trip programs in a while, but for me, that always was the best option um, because it did kind of, uh, first of all, you develop a personal relationship with that rep um, because generally whoever's in that market is going on that trip with that person. And um, yeah, like secondarily, you're kind of, weeding out like the people that are only in it for the big brand paychecks at the end of the month or people that actually like want to see the distillery and get a cool uh vip tour and are interested in the rum so i mean yeah we've done all the other types of incentive programs in the past um you know pods uh points of distribution getting the bottles on the shelf or like case, like you know multiple case drops or whatever and you get a 
50 bucks for five cases or whatever, but you know, it's, it is really hard to compete in the larger distributors. They work, those incentives work with the smaller distributors. Um, but with the larger distributors, it's harder to compete because they always have like some ridiculous asinine, um, incentive program that squashes us completely. <laughs> yeah. No, one, one, well, of the, in, you, one of the really interesting aspects of, of sort of three tier system, that that I've always found really, I don't know, intriguing. I think is probably the right way to put it. But uh, you know, pre pre prohibition, you know, I as a bar as like a bar owner could go to go to you know Budweiser and say, "Yo, Budweiser, I want to open a bar. I will only put you on draft. It'll be a Budweiser bar, and Budweiser would build out the entire bar for me. I wouldn't have to pay anything." to open a bar and which is obviously then creating a monopoly in inside that bar, which is not really legal. Um, and so it would, it would crush small brands from doing, from being able to approach the market. Right. But due to these exact, you know, incentive programs and stuff like that, we've run into the exact same problem that we were trying to fix as, as a, you know, government agency approaching societal woes of, of booze consumption and, you know, marketplace accessibility. We're just right back at zero again, because the large brands still have more money and which means that they have more access and it doesn't matter what, what, you know, what playing field that we're on. There's no, you know, there's no equanimity in that, in the system. Equanimity. Equanimity. Is that a word? It's a uh, it's my next dog's name. <laughs> uh, I think you I think you bring up a good point. And, and just to clarify for people, so you know this is an industry full of gray area, and it is illegal for brands to go and directly spend money and things like that. But what they do is they hire marketing agencies, and this marketing agency is used to funnel money through in order to spend at these different bars. So my first job in this industry was as the Captain Morgan ambassador. Yes, that was a real thing. Um, and coming into it, one of the things that I had as someone who didn't really know what the hell they were doing was essentially like a $30,000 budget just to go spend how I saw fit to hit different KPIs and these key performance indicators of case drops, menu placements, and things like that. Now, somebody like Spirit Bomb, which Kiwa works for, you know, they're not going to have that. They're certainly not going to have five in one area like some of the bigger brands and things like that can have, which is, um, you know, so again, like that thing that we were trying to avoid is very much so alive and well. And even when, you know, we do have agencies that, that are, you know, in charge of enforcing that. So like the one here in California is the alcohol beverage uh, for California, um, but they're totally underfunded. And when they do get funding, they typically go to Whole Foods and they drill holes in fake stills that are on the end cap because they it's don't low hanging food. fruit. Because it's low hanging fruit, right? So, I mean, so, they can they can take a picture of something and be like, "Hey, look, we did something. Here's the money well spent." Right? Is we we were able to achieve? Yeah. Everything. 
Yeah, so it's so it's very much so things like when you see like brand ambassadors and people buying rounds of shots, like that's kind of like that gray area that we're referencing and and things of that nature. If you see promo models going around with little shot trays, more than likely they also showed up with a check for a couple hundred dollars or a credit card to swipe for a couple hundred dollars. Um, so that's always kind of the case with each and every one of these these events. Um, one one last question before we move on, Freaky Wild. Like when it comes to your guys's uh, your guys's portfolio. And I'm sure it varies, and I think I know the answer to this, but when it comes to the focus of the Spirit Bomb portfolio, are you guys more focused on points of distribution and having as many of your bottles on the back bar, or are you looking for that case volume, you know, of stuff like Bounty, maybe the the rum or like the Comant Blanc or something like that? What's what is the the mindset when it comes to a company like your guys's? Um it's it's definitely a combination of the two i guess and it depends on the account um if it's in a if it's an account that's not going to have a lot of rum real estate then it's definitely uh it's definitely case drops um if it's a rum account then we want points of distribution um but i would say overall it's it's always about the case drops i mean we're not we're not the most profitable company so we're trying to be (laughs) one of those one day so, um, yeah, I, I think that it's all about the volume and, you know, in over the last two years, it's really about selling whatever we have in inventory. So, yeah. And I, and, and I see that you guys are, are starting to do more and more, um, like cask like individual casks. Like I recently got myself a chairman reserve from bitters and bottles in San Francisco, um, do you see that happening through the rest of your guys's lineup? Like, will there be a day when me and Chris can buy our own cask of VSOP? Like, it, you know, is that something that is in our future? Yeah, um, we did actually this past year do Chairman's Clement and GM barrel programs. Um, we just, uh, fun fact, Spearbum USA is 8% of the global sales from our brands so we always um have to fight over a bunch of other markets for the amount of casks that we get right um so we you know you probably didn't i don't i don't know exactly what bitters and bottles got if they got just chairman's but um yeah i mean once america fights the rest of the world for their allocated casks then our team has to fight each other over who gets what in what market and um, so yeah, there, there are, there will be, um, and, and actually the chairman's that is at bitters and bottles is from last year. So you will see coming out for the holidays this year. That was the first time that we've done Clement GM and chairman's in the same year. So you will see some casts coming out from all three brands for the holidays this year, but that's definitely a program that we're looking to improve upon and expand upon each and every year. I think it's like the fourth or fifth year that we've done it. Um, it started with just come on. And then now, it, it, you know, we've been doing it with chairman's as well. Um, we took a break from come on, but um, yeah, it's, it's fucking complicated. Like sparrow <laughs> programs are so, so complicated. Um, you know, getting the samples from each barrel from Martinique, like, do you need them? Do you, are we going to sell it cast strength? no we're not but we need to get it like you know diluted to the amount that to the to the proof that we're going to sell it at and then we need to figure out how to split samples amongst all of our team and then a a, a system in which if somebody sells a barrel then nobody else is showing that 
feral and it's just uh it's a uh, it's like a full-time job to to keep everything organized um but i i think it's worth the payoff it's a pretty cool program and yeah we're just looking on building it more and more so i dig it yeah we definitely need a sacramento run clement cask so fucking a you know, we'll, all about uh, it get yeah i'll make sure right. i'll make sure that we get you some samples on the next run for sure deal <laughs> I think that was the most engaging conversation on the three-tier distribution. <laughs> okay. All right. So now something a little bit more uh, light, I guess. Uh, the 10 most popular cocktails in the world, according to the drinks business. So uh, I'm wait, just going to read wait, them off to wait. you. And the- oh, never mind. What? I thought I had a, I thought I had a good, uh, a good uh, a sound drop for it. Didn't. I didn't. Okay. Well, that is appropriate. Yeah. Okay. All right. So, your 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 ten your top ten cocktails. All right. Number ten, the Pina Colada. Number nine, Cosmopolitan. Number eight, Old Fashioned. Number seven, Aperol Spritz. Number six, the Sangria. Number five, the Martini. Number four, the Caparina. Number three, the Porn Star Martini. Number two, the Mojito. And number one. Drink in the world. The margarita. So, I want you to sit there. I want you to digest it. I know we're still working past the porn star martini right now, but we're going to get past It's damn that. delicious. It's a good <laughs> drink. I don't know if you've uh, had a porn star martini. It's delicious. Okay, so, Kiwa, first for you. What is the biggest... Um, uh, surprise on the list and then what was the biggest snub for you um i'm very well first of all let me say i read this list backwards the first time like i read the pina colada <laughs> number one and i was like what is happening here um so once i so i already was disappointed and then and then so my expectations were really low so when i read it the right way i was like it was it was improved quite a bit but um, yeah, the Cosmos a, a weird one for me. Um, I didn't I didn't see that coming. I mean, the Sangria too. But um, I I have no. By the way, I'm I'm with I'm with Chris. Like I have no problem with the porn star martini. I am very surprised. But like that drink is that drink is is really good. I I, 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 I am I'm surprised one. it's made it onto like world's top ten. Definitely surprised on that in terms of consumption, but. Good for you, yeah. world. You deserve it. But but I, if you if you read the the fine print on this article, they did pull a lot of these stats from um, social media hashtags. So I don't know, porn star martini social media checks out. Um, but yeah, also I, I did have a porn star. I'm just gonna like props to Cleaver. They have like the best porn star martini on their menu with like a shooter of, of bubbles on the side. It's so good. Oh, I have um, to go. I have to go see Nictalia and get that. That's, that sounds great. I, you know, I awesome. still haven't been to um, too, cause I, I haven't been back to Vegas in fuck, like four or five years. So it's, I, yeah, it's time to get back there. So let, let me just hit you guys with so far listeners. Um, it's going to be the, the porn star martini is passion fruit. Um, juices in it. Uh, we have, and I'm sure this is debatable, but in this recipe from Difference Guide, absolute vanilla vodka, um, 
passoir liqueur, vanilla sugar syrup, lime juice, and then yes, the side the sidecar of the of the champagne or sparkling. Um, thoughts? Is that is that what we all? Agree I don't know that what that the hell passoir is. Um, it's like a passion fruit rum liqueur. Okay. So uh, I think that's the, the actual like. I mean, yeah, you want to make a, a passion fruit vodka gimlet with some bubbles on the side. Yeah, delicious. Yeah. Find me up. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so then, so so we're okay with that. What what about the biggest snub? Is there somebody that or some a drink on there that you're kind of like, what the fuck? You mean besides the tea punch? Considering they specifically uh, um, surveyed French people, and every French person <laughs> drinks tea punches. Just, I, just yeah. say, it, was probably, it was probably I'm, thrown in with I'm the Caipirinha. Probably, probably. I think they actually said that. Chris, what about for you? No, mojito, mojito was favored in France. I, I don't, I, I don't buy that. Uh, well, considering in our one and a half weeks of selling alcohol mojito and margarita are the two most uh, requested drinks that we've had by far. I mean, margarita already, like I, you know, already it's, it's been the number one drink in the world, uh, quantifiably, not, not through hashtags, but like legitimate quantification of consumption for well over a decade. Uh, so that doesn't mm-hmm. surprise me at all. But uh, the mojito, definitely, after the last week and a half of slinging drinks again, um, yeah, we're crushing mojitos. So that, that holds up. Uh, I, I was surprised by the porn star martini. Is, I mean, I'm not mad at it, like I said. Damn good drink. Um, but I was surprised. Uh, Caipirinha, though, like, uh, I mean, you... You put South America and Germany on the map, and and that's a lot of that's a lot of kipes, a lot of kipes going down. I I think the I think my my biggest surprise just you know I, I feel like every place I go I see it on menus now again this is a UK based um, you know kind of survey and but with the social media element I'm shocked that we didn't see the espresso martini on here. That's true. Because does doesn't yeah. that feel like that's just everywhere the now the now drink or a paloma even which are, are I mean, palomas exploding thing. i mean we sell we sell I palomas know. i feel like in socal they are <laughs> we, we sell know anymore. We, <laughs> no, we sell palomas but i you know i i don't yeah i don't know i mean it's definitely thing. i was surprised to see the martini still on here i'll, I'll say that I feel like yeah. that's a little passe i mean it's delicious i'm all for a martini but not, you know Seems seems I, out of place. Yeah, the sangria also felt out of place for me. I kinda, oh no! Oh no! Sangria is a that's a that's a brunch crusher, my man. And not even that. Like we would when when I was slinging at Casbah, we we go through that sangria. I mean, just pictures and pictures of it. Which is a Middle Eastern bar for everyone who's not from Sacramento. And even people from Sacramento don't know what Caspot is at times. So <laughs> it's important to point that out what that That's is. Pretty true. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. So if it, you know, outside of the tea punch, is there in, in the espresso martini, is there anything else out there? And maybe we'll say this is like, is there a drink that you're like, man, I wish people did drink more of this. And they talked about it. Is, is there one that jumps out to, to you guys? Jaeger bombs. Jaeger bombs. Okay. Okay. 
No, I no, don't mean never. that. I can't. I can't have that on my reputation. I'm just kidding. Everybody. I mean, it is a little odd that like the daiquiri is not on there, right? I mean, like, is it is the cop out like the margarita? Right? There's kind of like, well, then you switch this out and you got yourself a daiquiri. Yeah, or, like I mean, caparina mojito. It's like kind of a daiquiri with. I don't know. I don't know. I, I feel bad for the daiquiri a little bit. That would make more sense than a tea punch if I'm being non-biased. Yeah, it, I mean, I I do think that it's something, it's something worth noting that you have, um, you know, yes, the the mojito, the the caparina, and the uh, pina colada. So there are three rum drinks in the top ten. Yeah, because uh, the rest of the world drinks rum, and uh, you know, <laughs> we don't. Yeah, bastards. Uh, okay, I'm feeling pretty good about the top ten cocktails in the world you know who's dope them over there okay so now it's time for my favorite section of the show this is where we're going to tell you who you should be checking out it could be an instagram account a book another podcast as long as you still listen to ours movies tv shows just whatever we think is cool and whatever we think people should be paying attention to key while you're kicking it off for us who is your dope follow this week um, I'm going to really throw you for a loop and say a TikToker because I just learned how to use TikTok. I think it was my 40 year old, uh, like mid year life crisis that like a month and a half ago, I was like, I'm going to figure this thing out. And it turns out if you go on it for like a full weekend straight and like, like certain things, it, it knows you better than, you know, your own boyfriend. And so it shows me really great videos now that I enjoy um so there is an account and this account is on twitter and also on instagram but the tiktoks are just real stellar and it is actually the paris 2024 olympics so it's paris 2024 and they just have this gen z crew running their tiktok and all they do is make fun of french people and it is (laughs) brilliant it's just like <laughs> doing like like fencing and they like they stop people on the street and have them fence a fence like an actual fencer with baguettes and like I mean it's great. I there's nothing I love more than making fun of French people as somebody that as I previously stated gets up at 5:30 in the morning at least 3 days a week to get on conference calls because nobody in France will work after 5 p.m. So anyway understandable yeah, I love I love like, you know, through through the course of this conversation and then even a little bit before it's just kind of was like, man, you got some vendettas out there and <laughs> yeah. and I'm here for it. Like, I just want to be friends with you and I want to help you just serve up some justice when that day comes. So I'm, I'm here for it. I, mean, I, I hope it's good uh, listening. I I have enjoyed I it. I hope I don't eventually. get fired. No, no, fired, Ben doesn't but, listen. Uh, yeah. You're fine. No, he's not. He's not going to listen. You know what? You, I I do have to share this story about. So that same night that that I had an interaction, you know, with you when we were at Jaguar Sun, I also you know was hanging out with Ben and and uh, and you know basically another person I really admire in this business. And at and at one point we took a picture together, and then the next day we actually had you know the rum fest and he came to me and said, Hey, I have this picture of us. And I was, and I was kind of like embarrassed of how intoxicated I was the night before. And I was like trying to like play it cool around him. And we had also just, we had also just uh, survived the hurricane as well. So I think I was still like, you know, a little, a little frazzled. 
And I feel like I kind of big leagued him and I was like, oh yeah, cool. And I didn't like ask for it after. So there's like a photo that exists of us that he has on his phone that I don't have on mine because I tried to be, I tried to be cool and, and over overcompensated with him. So not that he would ever remember that, but I need to get that off my chest to someone who actually knows him. <laughs> so. Do you do you want me to ask him for the photo, Drew? No, 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 no. Do that. Yes, I do. <laughs> I do. No, yes, it's please. because it's it is. There's no way that's a flattering photo. There's just there's just there's not a there's no way because that that night was was ridiculous. So, um, but I feel like I had to say it because. Even as I was saying it, I was like, what are you doing? Don't talk like this to people. And um, and that was my life. That was my life that day. Uh, that's why, you know, you just you, you got to be careful with these rum things. I, I just run into too many people that I'm kind of like, you're the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Like, you know, so it's uh, it's terrible. Chris, speaking of amazing you people, used to talk who, about who's your don't way. follow? I still do. There's a lot of things I like about you, but you also frustrate me to no end. So it's welcome a mixed bag. My, welcome to my life. Yeah, that's why you and my wife get along. That's true. It is. It absolutely is. <laughs> uh, uh, mine is uh, surprise, surprise on Instagram because that's where I live my life these days. Uh, this is at Kogi, C O G E Y. She is an amazing account. She is a comedian. Uh, I, I think a comedian account. Uh, the tagline is faux vintage, real sass. And all of all of her all of her uh, videos are her dressed up like a 1950s, 1960s, you know, woman with the uh, the sort of sepia and like technicolor, you know, shot and crackly sound over her voice. And she's as she's like selling a thing or she's giving you life advice. It's just, it's beautiful. Everything, everything from, from selling uh, a uh, hot, hot fucks uh, oven to, to uh, giving you astrology advice. She's incredible. And it makes my day just great in the most like petty sort of way every day. Uh, what was, what was the name again? Cause I, I kind of got it jumbled when you were at Kogi. It. C O G E Y. Okay. You're welcome world. (laughs) Um, Okay. So again, I'm, yeah, I'm sticking with Instagram as well because I can't do the TikTok either. Um, Two of them. My first one is star Wars related and it's the, the force awakens daily and it's just star Wars memes every day and they are amazing. So if you're into memes, if you're into Star Wars, it is the best of both worlds. And then the other one is um, is is you want to look up Caleb Presley. He's one of the personalities from um, Bleacher Report. And uh, he did an interview with Aaron Rodgers this past weekend. It's like four minutes long where he just goes after him. And they have like this really contentious relationship that they portray online all the time, but it is so, or no, it's Barstool, not Bleach Report, Barstool Sports. Um, that is, it was so goddamn funny. So again, Caleb Presley, look it up, look up the Aaron Rodgers interview. It is, it, it, especially if you like have any ill will towards Aaron Rodgers at this point, which I don't, but it is still hilarious. And if you do, if you don't like him, it's even better. So is it, uh, so is Caleb it, Presley? 
Caleb Presley, you're going to have to give me more. Oh, is it CCA13B verified? He's Aptly? definitely he's got he he's got long hair. Um no, this is uh this is not him. So so his Instagram is literally just his name spelled out. It's C A L E B Oh, there P R E S S L E Y. Um and he also has like a he was like a quarterback, I want to say at North Carolina, and his senior year got hurt and just kind of turned into this sideline antics guy that then led to a job with Barstool. Like it is ridiculous. Like the guy's origin story just cracks me up. Um so yeah, check him out. Check out the Force Awakens Daily. They are they are both great. Um I think those are some pretty pretty dope follows. The music for the Good Bottle Podcast is orchestrated by uh, two brothers, one of which definitely loves a porn star martini because it's got passion fruit in it and produced awkwardly by these two guys. Before we go kill these bottles that we've been drinking, we ask that if you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, please tell your friends, and leave us a five-star review because we're amazeballs. You can also follow us on Instagram uh, or Facebook on the Good Bottle Podcast. You can check out our personal accounts. Mine is D Garrison Six. Chris is Kristen Flair. Kiwa, uh, where can they find you on the social medias? Uh, you can find me on the Instagram at Rum Muffin R H U M M U F F I N. That is about the only social that I use and respond to. So don't look for me on Facebook. <laughs> don't you? Don't you do it? Don't you even think about it? Um, that's good alright check her out there if you would like for us to cover a story or if you work with a brand that would like to be featured please email us at thegoodbottlepodcast at gmail.com and as a reminder you can purchase bottles at thegoodbottleshop.com and until next time you guys cheers cheers Thank you.